Hello, I'm Alice Arnold. Welcome to the Musicals and Theatre podcast, which this week is not really a Musicals and Theatre podcast. It's a very special podcast because on Friday evening, Will Young and myself hosted a special show for Pride where we played lots of LGBT musicians and we talked to each other. We talked to each other for ages and, of course, most of that talk couldn't go in the radio show because there wasn't time. So instead, we've put it in this special podcast just for you. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Pride with Will Young and Alice Arnold. We're doing a special show. I'm so pleased we're doing this, Will. Me too. Because this is, well, it's the night before Pride. Yeah. And I just think it's joyous to be able to take an hour to celebrate all things Pride. And when I was talking about Pride to my friends, I was remembering the old days when I first went to Pride. I mean, it was prehistoric. There was... (laughs) But there wasn't was that, that old. Uh, it was quite old, early eighties. But when it felt like it, just the day felt like Christmas Day, yeah. and all that planning and and what you're going to wear, and and, yeah. and it was just so exciting. Is that how you felt about it or feel about it? Well, actually, my first memory of Pride was was seeing it from a friend's flat before I'd come out, and I remember thinking, you know, it was it still seemed a sort of such a far away land to to get to because I didn't know anyone who was gay and then I saw this like joyous parade of people coming through oh, where was it I can't remember now near Westminster um and it was the first sign that I'd really on mass that I'd seen uh you know a potential new family of people and there was those were the days I guess when you know we still we didn't have equal marriage we didn't you know being gay no. was still a, almost a taboo yeah. thing and, and so no it felt visibility. like the secret society yeah. having one day of the year where they weren't secret anymore yeah I mean I can't imagine what it was like in the 80s but I, th- I feel like the 90s was maybe not as political but certainly for people like me as imperative and as important yeah yeah, it was to see to see it. You know, it wasn't just about people on the day. It's about everyone who could see it. And I know that, it was you know passing I mean? the other people looking at you, yeah. going, "Yeah, we're different." You know, we're we're different. It but, felt like that, and we yeah, wanted to yeah. celebrate that difference. Yeah, yeah. and the uh, uniqueness and yeah. the, the beauty in it. We were talking earlier about, um, how, you know, that that when you hadn't come out and you were watching the Pride March go past a building that you were in and how amazing it was to see that. And did you have... Who were your role models, did you have, think, when you were growing up? It's very... There were so few people who were visible at that time uh, in music um, or, or anywhere, actually. Um, so I think... But I would say that George Michael was someone that I particularly uh, aligned with. But I actually, probably one of the few people was David Bowie. Um, you know, Bowie was fluid in his sexuality and in, in his gender and within his music um, and very free and kind of floated above any sort of social norms or restrictions and was kind of untouchable, actually, um, so I would say 
Bowie for all those reasons. Yeah, I think it was interesting in, at that time. Well, actually sort of glam rock before that time, before any sort of issues of gender fluidity were yeah, being even yeah, talked about. Yeah. There actually was quite a lot of that in the media. Loads of men were wearing makeup, and, yes. you know, in that, in that period. But it just wasn't really associated with equal rights and any of, and any of the political, I think. No, and I guess when you went into like the new romantic movement and, and you know, people were always... I was adamant, I just want to tell you that. Oh, well, yes, there you I go, was. you see. I was adamant. There you go. Yeah, yeah, you know, I wore that makeup. Well, it was kind yeah. of... Uh, and even mirrored by Elton John, though, uh, in that sort of like um, look, that kind of the high wigs and the, the, um, the beauty spot um, and then Madonna. But I think it was, it was still then about finding a safe space i think to do within to do all those things and i think people like bowie and then actually we can't forget annie lennox as well was astonishing in what she did you know she had short hair she wore man she dressed as a man at the grammys in 1986 i think you know people thought she was a man that was <laughs> so and you know people were um quite derogatory about her actually in terms of how she looked um, but she was really pushing the envelope mm. and who would you say I mean we've now seen so many people come out yourself included and, and what that that produces role models for, for young people now and I think people like Tom Daly or you know yeah. how important do you think it is for those those people in the public eye to be open about their sexuality and be a role model for, for people who are well, I always say, you know, you can't force, you know, I can't force someone to come out, you know, whether it be them famous or not. However, um, I think to come out and be comfortable with your sexuality as a public figure is very, can be very powerful uh, and can spread way beyond, you know, how one could think it's spreading. You know, you just don't know who's going to be reading that interview or seeing you on TV and... And seeing that everything is okay, I think that's one of the most important things, is that everything's okay. Because I think when you're young, you just don't think that it's going to be okay. But of course it is. And to see people who are thriving and happy and successful in any field that they're successful in, you know, is a really inspiring thing. I mean, I think it's, it's extraordinary. Say in the world of rugby, which one might think is men's rugby the most sort of macho sport there is yeah. and yet we have you know Nigel Owens the referee and we yes. have Gareth Thomas yes. um, who's you know a great enormous yeah, man yeah, yeah. Um, coming he out he was captain wasn't he of Wales he was stage, yeah. but what we don't have are any footballers no. in the top leagues no and I think they would still be terrified to do that and frankly I don't blame them neither do I uh, I think it will take a special person to feel strong enough. In in the UK, um, you know, there are people in Scandinavia uh, and America, but not in the UK, which is the biggest, you know, league. Um, I think it would take a special person. But it will happen. And tennis as well for men. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there isn't anyone. It's interesting because for women's sport, yes. you know, there are there are lots of role models for yes. for, for for young gay women. But I think maybe um, that's a but... safer space for some reason, you know. And but it, I don't think it's safe for men. I, I don't I don't know why that is, but um, you know, certainly they've they've clamped down on on um, you know work, uh, 
bigoted behavior and, and, and language in crowds. Um, so I think it will have to be a double-edged thing when mm. someone comes out as a footballer. But it will happen, and I will rejoice when it does happen. I think we all will. Will, we're talking about, we've talked about the history, some of the history of Pride, how different it was in the old days, I and mean, now it's an absolutely huge event. Um, thousands and thousands of people, which is absolutely brilliant. And in the time since since I came out, we have actually changed all the laws. You know, there we have equal law. We can get married. We have equal financial rights. We have all those all those things. There are still attitudes that have to be changed. When we mm. look at the the two women who were abused recently on, mm. the, on the bus, on the bus and, yeah. and you know there are still gay hate crimes going yeah, on yeah. all the time. Um, I don't know what what can we do to change those attitudes more. Do you think? Well, yeah, and transgender crimes have gone up a lot. There was something recently, wasn't there, about that? Um, I think there's two things. I think what the law has allowed is sort of legal recourse to any abuse, when in the past it didn't. Um, I think that still needs to be strengthened. Um, so it is on the same level as um, any other, um, you know, bigoted, derisive comments. Um and I think that it's still about people get very scared, I think, of anything different. So I think it's still about support and people, you know, I don't know if I love the phrase straight allies, but I do think it can be very powerful when people like, for example, the captain, the England uh, cricket captain, jo- is it Joe? Root, yeah. yeah, who spoke up, um, he's not gay. And it's within sport, and he was captured saying, uh, that's not very cool. And that was very powerful. It was, it was a brilliant moment, a wasn't small it? Thing. Absolutely brilliant moment. Yeah, but it, it gives me shivers thinking about it because that is like almost making it sort of uncool. He's like, what are you doing? And that's what the attitude that, well, certainly the group Diversity Role Models, I know, do a lot of work in schools to yes. try and stop the you're so gay. Yes. Which actually children use, and they don't mean... No, they don't mean it. They don't it. mean it like that. No. But it's become a phrase. It never was in my youth, but no. it's become one, yes. and we need to unbecome it. I think, <laughs> I think so, that's... and people don't... People get in a twist about that sort of thing. Well, you can't restrict children, but I think it's... No one wants to offend other people, and the use of language and how that's been changed and reclaimed over the years has been essential. And if you look at um, racial equality... The, the reclaiming of language has been so powerful. Since my school days, you know, the language has changed completely and, of course, for the better. I think that's just an area that edu- within education it really needs to be... Because it is education, actually, isn't it, in the end yeah. of the day? And I think we're still missing a trick by, you know, people... I mean, diversity stories are, are much more um, prevalent now than they ever were. But they still need to be pushed more and I think we are still missing a trick concentrating on how language is used in schools and educating people, guiding them. Yeah, and I think making, as you say, that people are scared of difference and I think the more people that see um, LGBT stories being told, the more they just become familiar. Yes, because we're all different, actually. It's just, unfortunately, we're obsessed with sex. So, you know, we, fo- <laughs> we focus in on the sexual nature of it. 
not about the sexual. It's about choice and love and connection. Um, and that's something that that needs to be pushed more and more. Yeah, yeah you're so right. That's Everybody focuses on the sex well, bit. And you're going, you know, it's, as you say, it's not about no. that. I mean, if you have a straight couple to dinner, you're not expecting them to no. behave rudely. Exactly. And you wouldn't expect a gay couple to either, exactly. you know. And we can hold our knives and forks properly, you know. You know we I mean? will be all right if you I have think, us for dinner. Yes. We'll be fine. Yeah. We're not going to do anything particularly odd. No, but we. I think it's when, it's when an adult's, you know, basis of identity is rocked. Uh, you know, that is very difficult to change because that creates a huge amount of fear in that particular person. Um, and that is difficult to change. So what I say is, I don't expect you to change your views. However, you have to respect others and you cannot behave, in, you know, just as I would not behave in, in a manner that is insulting, aggressive, violent, uh, inappropriate and not adult. And, and, and that's... That's what I think is really important. Mm. And I think also there's just, there is so much to celebrate. Yes. I mean, having achieved the legal changes that we have, I never thought in my lifetime I would be able to marry my partner. And yet I have. And that's wonderful, And no? that's, that's absolutely joyous. Yeah. And to be able to celebrate, you know, when it was civil partnership we did first, then we upgraded yeah. to, to, to the... But we had mm. 120 people celebrating our civil partnership. They'd never been to one before, didn't know what it was going to be. And actually, that was great as well, because you can make it exactly what you want to make it, because yeah. there's no rules. It's, it's like, we'll do it this way. It's very beautiful. It's such a beautiful thing. And it's so nice to hear you say that, you know, that you never thought it was going to happen. I don't think I thought it was ever going to happen. I mean, the idea of marriage, the idea of having children. You know, yeah. when I knew I was gay from a very young age, that was it. I was just like, I won't get married, I won't have children. You know, that Would you was, like to have children? Yeah, I'd love Would to you? have children. You'd be a lovely I, dad, I, I think. I love kids. They're amazing. They're so beautiful, you know. And, oh, they're just a gift. Um, but I never thought that. I mean, it was just like, that was it. That was my restriction. Yeah. Um, but it's changed so much. And, and my God, the change I've seen in 20 years is mega, absolutely mega. We've come a long way. Yeah, we have. Will and I have been talking about, well, how, how much pride has progressed and how much LGBT plus rights have increased and acceptance has generally been a much more positive thing uh, more recently. I tell you something I really loved, Prince William... Prince William saying that he would have no problem if one of his children were gay. Um, he just hoped that they wouldn't suffer any abuse or, or prejudice or whatever. That's, Can you imagine? I didn't the know that he said did that. Did you not know that? No. When the, did he say that? Oh, a couple of days ago. Did he? The future King of England standing up for LGBT rights. I yeah. just thought, get in. Well, I love him anyway. I do like well, Prince William. Well, I, I really did, particularly when... He actually was the first royal to say the word gay. No one had ever said it, and no royal had ever actually visited a specific LGBTQ plus charity until Prince William. But you know his mother would have done, don't you? His mother would have done it, and she was doing it. I mean, she was, you know, the first person to go and visit people with HIV and AIDS, you know, and 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 and. and, and you know, touch them and hold them. You know, she was 
very much like that. And I think he's continued that, as has his brother, who's done so much for mental health. I mean, it's just mm. unbelievable. And the power of that can't be underrated. Um, because once someone like a royal says it, the um, the change in the media is quite palpable, actually. When Harry did it with mental health, suddenly mental health was everywhere, you know, yeah. even more than it had been before. And I think someone like Prince William saying it does kind of put, not that it should be the case, but it does put a stamp of authority onto it, more than a politician doing it. Um, I'm not sure why that is, but it definitely is the case. Yeah. yeah. I think those two boys using their position for good, that's what I'd say. I mean, you know, yes. whatever one thinks of the royal family, yeah. there are two boys and their partners yes. using their positions in a very positive way way and yes. as you say it does stamp a sort of authority on it. it's like well if they say it really then does. we're all gonna listen yeah it really um, does and it's 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 fantastic and also you know he is a straight man and I, and I think that has something to do with it and also I think someone who's a father who's saying I don't care you know of my son because I think there's still a lot of people who would go oh you know no I you know I love LGBT people but they probably wouldn't want their child to grow up you know, so actually by a f him as a father saying that, you know, really reframes it for lots of people that need to hear that. And to be honest, probably just give them permission to go, it's okay. And what would you say to, because some of our listeners might have, you know, young children or, or, or teenagers or whatever who, who might be questioning their sexuality. Yeah. What, what advice would you give a parent whose child I is think, gay? I think... The first word that springs to mind is validation because I think that's very important to validate what the child has said to you as the parent and show support and show love, unconditional love. Uh, I think often a parent, and we all do it to an extent with our family and our friends and our partners, because we worry, we go into protective mode, which isn't always the best mode when someone's sharing something with you, because we instantly go to, well, what, the, what might the problems be? You know, we've jumped ahead. Um, and, and really, we need to sort of think about that person and what they must have gone through to get to that stage even, to say, you know, I'm gay or I'm questioning my sexuality. It's a very big thing. And, and the best thing a parent can do is just say, I love you, I, I don't. You know, I just want you to be happy and I love you. I would, when people have asked me what, what they should do, they maybe have a friend or a brother or sister or somebody and they, they think that they might be, be gay but, or, but, they, but they haven't said anything and they think that their relative's afraid to say something. And I always say, well, just open up the conversation in gender-neutral terms. Mm. You oh, know, yeah. because you can do that to help somebody, even in the work, say in the workplace situation. You know, the immediate question, have you got a boyfriend? You know, I mean, I wear a wedding ring. What's your husband do? Just think about asking those questions in a gender-neutral way oh, to yes, people that's... and it opens that space for them to at least take the chance. They might not want to. They might not want to come out. They might, you know, that think that's none of your business, but at least it gives them an opening to do so. Yeah, so that's if you've got great. a boyfriend or a girlfriend, yes. if you just throw it in there. Yes, that's great. It's it helps, I think. Well, it neutralises it, doesn't it? Yeah. And yeah, that's actually funny when you say that. There's a friend of mine who said that his friend's parents still say, if you were to marry, you know, a man or a woman, 
you know, mm-hmm. and the kids are like 30 and they go, no, I think we know, you know, we're, <laughs> where we're at at the moment. We're, you know. But it's, that's so powerful, that, isn't it? Yeah. Will. Hello. <laughs> Hello. No, I know we've been talking for a while now. <laughs> um, Pop Idol. Yeah. Got to talk about it. Yeah. Got to talk about what happened to you because you came out during that process and not many other people had done that. No. So no. I just talk about, tell us about how that, how that arose for you, how it felt for you, how it affected you. It was, it was quite empowering, actually, because I'd come out already at university. So, you know, I was, I'd sort of been through that process um, to get to that stage. And and then I don't know if I even bothered telling people I was gay around me. I just, you know didn't even see it as an issue, but maybe in the end I did. And um, then I was. They did try to get me to not say anything. Did they? Yeah, they did. During because the... well, you just didn't do that. You just didn't say anything as a pop star. You know, that was just the way it was. Mm. Um, but I was adamant that if anyone asked me I did not go through that tough time of coming out and it was a tough time um, to then lie you know mm. I was just like I'm absolutely not going to do that uh, which which sent them into a complete spin um, but I did I really did take them on with that um, and no one actually ever asked me during the show itself because I would have during the run of the show um, and then afterwards you know, I knew that because I was a pop star, of course, people, you know, one of the things people think about pop stars is their sexuality. So I knew it would happen. Um, and then I just orchestrated um, how that was going to happen. Um, and I, and there, there was a particular paper that was going to sort of out me, for want of a better phrase. But we went with uh, someone else, another paper, yeah. And then that was a little scary. I did feel very exposed. And I remember going into a big supermarket and having a little bit of a panic attack. Really? Yeah, because I thought, my God, you know, now I felt quite unsafe. Uh, I did feel quite unsafe for for a few days. Yeah. Just because, you know, I could control it as me. Because there is that thing, you know, it was still quite unsafe, actually, you know, and still can be. So that was a little bit scary. But I, like, was very proud. Yeah, and I remember saying to someone, if it means that no one buys my music because I'm gay, then I don't want them buying my music in the first place. And it's great that you could orchestrate it yourself as well, that you could control the way it, and I think that's more the case now, actually, with social media, because when you came out, it was before that time, but you look at at how Tom Daly did it, for example, you know, you can take control of it yourself. You can. I mean, you can have the papers say, we're going to do it, which they did to to me and my partner, and Mm. it was hilarious what they wrote. Um, (laughs) Yes, absolutely hilarious. 26 factual errors. But I've never laughed no, so much in my no life. No surprise there. Yeah. No. Well, can you remember <laughs> one that was particularly funny? Uh, well, there was uh, well, apparently uh, me and Claire met at uh, film stars' parties. And of course, oh. then all our friends were saying, well, you never invited us to. <laughs> and apparently we had a lot of parties that we invited lots of film stars oh. to. Oh, 
which was news to us as Brilliant. we read it in Tesco's on a Saturday night Gosh, where we yeah. were shopping. That's exotic. That's, isn't I know. It? Yeah, the Hollywood parties. And I remember saying to our agents, you know, do you think we should do anything about this article because it's so factually untrue? And they said, they make your life so much more glamorous than it actually is. I don't think you've got a leg to stand on. We went, okay, fair enough. <laughs> we'll go with it then. It's funny, but, isn't it? Yeah. How it has to be sort of somehow. Oh, well, like, again, it was all about the sex and our lives. Yes. It was not about that. Yes. It was about, you know, loving each other and having a puppy. You yeah, know, there you basically, go. You see. That's what it was about. But did your. And, and did the fan. How did the fan base react it when doubled. you came out? My fan base doubled. Next record, did it? I mean, yeah, it went really. You know, I saw. I think, in fact, I think I sold three times as many records as I did on the first one. So it was. I mean, I did get people saying things, um, but I was quite kind of like, you know, it was upsetting on some levels, but I was also very strong in that. I thought, no, 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 no. I'm not standing for that, you know? Um, it just was, I think I, because I'd been through the difficult time and I sort of was very comfortable with it. Yeah, um, and you had support of your family and friends I had support, and things, which exactly, is so massively important, Exactly, so that's the crucial thing, isn't think. it? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I had my friends and family supporting me. Because actually if the press say, well, we're going to out you, and you go, well, you can't really because all the people that well, matter... yeah. I've already talked yeah, to them about they this. Couldn't, they, I always said from the beginning, they couldn't tell me something that I didn't know already because I know everything about myself. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not going to open up the news and go, oh, I didn't know that I didn't like cornflakes. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I sort of always took that and I never read it. And that was really important. Um, and also I did get the best letter I ever had actually was from a 12-year-old girl. And she said, um, I'm very upset that you've told everyone that you're gay now, and I've told my mummy, um, well, what's Will going to do now? He's never going to find a wife. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought well, that was adorable. <laughs> you know. Well, this has been Pride with Will Young and Alice Arnold. It's been lovely, Will. Yeah, can we not have a Pride every week so we can yeah. do this every week? I think we should. It's so I think nice. we should have one every week. Yeah. But isn't it nice just to... I don't know, focus on, on that aspect, but in a joyous and positive and uplifting way because yeah. we can. Anyway, let's let's have a dance. Let's it, just enjoy it. I hope the sun shines. It's going to be a brilliant day. Yes. This has been Pride with Will Young. Thank you, Will. Thank you. And Alice Arnold. That was a special edition of the Magic Musicals and Theatre Podcast. We're having a little summer break now, but we will be back soon with more interviews with musical stars. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed that one, you can still rate it. You can still give it five stars like I did to my Uber driver the other day. Music.